Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is best-selling author Rhea Fry. She's back again to talk about her new book, Until I Find You. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I think you were on my show a long time ago. I was. I think we did it for Because You're Mine, my second book, which was yes. just last year, actually. I mean, this 2020 has seemed interminable and late. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a long time ago. Uh, Is it over yet? Oh, I, that's, I'm just counting down the months. I cannot wait. Someone said they want to put their tree up. Uh huh. Yes, <laughs> indeed, with a mask on, probably. Definitely. But. Yeah. So, tell me about this book. How this book came about. Yeah, so this book's a little bit different for me. It's very special. So Until I Find You is about a blind widow, Rebecca Gray, who believes her three-month-old son, Jackson, has been swapped for another baby, but no one will believe her. And I think, you know, I, I think we're really trying to include diverse characters um, in literature. And sometimes I feel like that stops with culture or ethnicity. And I wanted to see other people represented who might have disabilities. So when I got the idea for this, I was like, can I construct a book with a protagonist who cannot see? I like that. What will that be like? And can I pull that off? So it was, it was really challenging to, yeah, dive into her world and, and represent a subset of the population that isn't often represented in genre fiction and put that on the page. What inspired you to um, do a book like this? So I kept, honestly, I kept getting a reoccurring nightmare that I kept hearing a baby cry. I would walk into the nursery, go to pick up the baby, look down and it wasn't my baby. And it kept oh. coming to me over and over and over again. And I was like, that is, I've got to do something with that. But I couldn't figure out a way to do it with a sighted person, of course, you're going to know when it's not your baby, just as, as if you were vision impaired, you're going to know if a baby's not yours. But once I started talking to a lot of the vision impaired community, I realized how crimes are sometimes handled or mishandled um, and how they do not get like the same fair representation as someone with sight might. So I wanted to put a very capable, strong woman in a predicament where no one around her believes her, even though she knows to her core that her baby is missing and she has another baby <laughs> in its place and yeah. just kind of see what happens from there. Isn't it interesting when you think about the way your mind works, like you create these stories and these characters and for people that aren't creative, it's hard to wrap your brain around like where do these ideas come from and sure. why are you so stoked to get up in the morning really early and go into that world and yeah. talk about that? Yeah. I mean, the fun thing about, for me, when I get an idea, I, I kind of get obsessed with it. And I'm like, if I don't sit down and write this now, either someone else is going to do it or it's going to leave me altogether. And yes. I do, I have my own company, so I work full time. I homeschool my child. And this was all pre pandemic. <laughs> so mm. I'm kind of a, a fast and furious writer and I love, I think for most writers, consistency really matters. So yes. even if you're spending an hour a day, building in that time um, is so important. And as I'm on a book a year schedule, it can be pretty grueling. The turnaround time is very quick. Your deadlines are very fast. So you do have to kind of construct these worlds and, and get lost in them and 
almost become obsessed with them in order to meet your deadlines. Yeah. Uh, do you have a certain time and place you like to write? I mean, yes, ideally, I would love to get up every morning and like the, that first hour of the day or two hours of the day um, start with my writing. And during the pandemic, things have just kind of been off kilter a little bit. But I really, I really do try to build in that time. But I'm not so strict with like, it has to be this time every mm -hmm. single day. I really take that inspiration and that time when I can. But I always talk about this, but a huge part of writing to me is processing. So I will go and walk without my phone, without any distractions. And that's actually when I figure out the yes. story or what I need to do. So that to me is almost more important than me sitting down to do it. You bet. I walk every morning and no matter what, seven days a week. And I get a lot of ideas or work through ideas while I'm walking. Yeah. Like things just come to you. It's huge. Yeah. They do. I mean, and I, I think that's really a testament to how distracted we are all day. When you got your phone and your email and people now are around all the time if you live with other people. So right. getting that space is huge. Have you ever read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? Oh, have I ever? Yes, see? I love that book. Uh, I see, I, when you said that, like an idea, it comes to you. And then if it if you don't nurture yep. that idea, it'll go to somebody else. It, and I had, that's always stuck with me. So I guess I kind of shoplifted that from her because <laughs> that's always stuck with me when I read that book. And it's true. I mean, I've, I've had kernels of ideas and I didn't write it. And then I will see a book that comes out that's like exactly that idea. Yeah. So I think you've kind of got to follow your gut with that. I had a, a script idea. I just recently, recently finished. It's a short script. And I felt like I better write this. I have to do it. And I just had, I kept thinking of her and that message. So if anybody's listening and you have that idea, just do it. Just make the time, like give up the TV for day after day and just write. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. And, you know, I run a business for writers and I, I was really worried during the pandemic. I'm like, oh God, we just started this new business we're going to go under, but I've seen the opposite actually where people, because they don't have the distractions like normal, which is being busy and going out and about, they're finally sitting down to write that book um, that they want right. to write. So I've actually seen a spike in creativity just from people reaching out like, okay, I want to write my book like now or never. And it's, right. it's true. You know, I think it's also a sense of um, how fragile humanity is right now. Absolutely. Right. And if, if I don't write this now, it's never going to get done. And like someone sitting around going, wow, I'm healthy. I'm able yes. this idea. Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, I, that is such a, a message that I've kind of been preaching to anyone and everyone and it, not even with writing, but just in general, like if, you're, general. if you have your health and you have your mind, like now is the time to, I think, examine how you want to live, how you want to feel, who you want to surround yourself with what you want to fill your mind with and it's it's such a great time to do that I really it's been a time to really peel away your layers and discover yeah. like all the good and the bad about you you Absolutely. know yeah that's what I've been doing I mean it's unbelievable I'm like oh I have a lot of stuff in my marriage I need to work on and a lot of stuff with my relationship with my daughter and just yeah. myself I mean I've I've um incorporated a breathing practice every morning and a meditation practice and yoga and all these things we've talked about doing on a daily basis, but we actually have done them as a family and it's, it's been pretty spectacular. That's good. I think you also have to find the humor. If there's any, uh, any humor, 
Because like no one could write the script no. representing your life, right? <laughs> Completely. I mean, it's, I do just have to laugh sometimes. Otherwise I will just ball or run away. Like I've had some really low moments. Like I've threatened in front of my daughter's face. I'm like, I quit. I quit parenting. Like I'm going to go live on an Island by myself and you can go live in your tree house and figure it out. Does this mean you're giving me away? Uh. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, Oh gosh, psychological damage. I'm probably inflicting, but it's, it's led to some, some hard emotional struggles, especially with my daughter. She's eight. We have an only child. We did not plan ever to have a pandemic have to explain to a child why they can't see their friends, why they can't go to school, why they can't do any of these things. It's, it's been brutal. That's been the hardest part. Yeah. It's so hard because you want them to be kids and it's hard for them to just stay home. Um, Yes. You know, and it, social distancing is good if you can, if you're comfortable with that for them to see people. Sure. You yeah, know. absolutely. I mean, we're, we're to the point where I'm like, oh, the social ramifications for her are worse than, well, I mean, maybe not worse than the, the probability of getting it, but I, I'm, you know, she's definitely seen some people we've gone on hikes, you know, we've been good. safe about it, but I'm like, she, it's been since, you know, March and it's August. Like this isn't, (laughs) this can't go on forever. Hopefully. Hopefully not. So what else would you like people to know about your book? Well, number one, that it's great and you should go buy it (laughs) from a local (laughs) bookstore. I've actually been really trying to get people to purchase from their local bookstores. Local bookstores need our help now more than ever. Um, but I think, you know, if you're a, if you're a reader of mystery or suspense or thrillers, I would love to know what readers think and spending time in someone's world where they are denied one of their senses and to kind of take a walk in Rebecca's shoes. You know, I did a lot of sensory deprivation for this. So actually walked along in the town that this is set in, in Elmhurst, Illinois, blindfolded with my husband, like taking me down the street, seeing if I could navigate it. I did a lot of research, um, just talking to the blind community and parents and how they handle, you know, functioning without their sight. And I loved how capable they all were and how it's like, oh, it's not that different. And I think it's something we don't really talk about or see, even in the blind deaf community, that's not something we celebrate. We often see it as a quote unquote disability. And I'm trying to showcase a character that that's just one of her traits, but it's not who she is. Yeah. It is really interesting if you stop and put yourself in somebody's shoes with a disability, how much insight you gain. So much. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've always been afraid of losing my sight. I have terrible eyes. So for me, it was actually very empowering to be like, oh, okay, this, I could, you know, maybe do this and, and really kind of face that fear. I was actually wondering if that's where this all came from is maybe something was going on with you. Yeah. I mean, I I have really, (laughs) really terrible eyes. I um, was a, a gymnast for a long time, a boxer. I ended up having brain surgery and my vision actually got a little bit better after that, but it's always been kind of a fear in the back of my head. Like, oh, what about if I, I lose my sight one day because I, I rely on it for everything, especially as a writer. So to describe a world where you can't see anything um, was such a challenge, but, but one I really enjoyed creating. Do you think being a boxer impacted your eyesight? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure it did. I mean, 
like I've always been told with the, with the brain mass that all the crazy activity I did and lots of impact, um, definitely made that grow. I'm not sure, you know, I don't know if there's a direct correlation with that. I come from a long line of poor vision. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm not sure how much of that is actually genetic, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm not really sure what's, what's caused it to be the way that it is. That's so interesting that you were a boxer for how long? Uh, so five years, I was a competitive boxer and it actually saved my life. It alerted me to this brain mass that I was about to compete in my first competition, started getting horrible headaches. And my coach was like, oh, you're probably overtraining. Why don't you go to the doctor? I was a freshman in college, went to the doctor. They called me back and they're like, you have a three and a half inch mass on the verge of hemorrhaging. If you get hit one more time, you are dead. Rush in for brain surgery. It was my first surgery. I did it spring break of freshman year of college. Uh. Um, they, I have four metal plates, 16 screws, had 42 staples. I was back in school a week later. What? Um, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. It was a pretty traumatic, <laughs> pretty traumatic event overall. And where were crazy. you the past week? Well, I had brain surgery. I had brain surgery, you know, no big deal. Just uh, someone actually touching my, touching my brain. <laughs> were you okay after that? I was. I had to get post-op MRIs for about four years. Uh, the nature of my cysts, which was benign, um, could come back. So I had to, to go pretty regularly. But foolishly, my neurosurgeon was actually pro-boxing. So I was back in the ring like three months later competing. And then after a while, I was like, you know, my brain's more important than this sport. So I probably need to preserve that. <laughs> and look where your brain has led you. Well, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really fun, amazing journey. Yeah. That's amazing. Where can people find out more about you? So I have two websites. So reafry.com has kind of everything about my books, R-E-A-F-R-E-Y.com. And then I do also run my own business called Rightway. That's W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O.com. And it's basically a one-stop shop for writers who want to become published. So from editing to consulting to creating nonfiction book proposals to ghostwriting, we kind of handle everything so writers can be their own best advocates and be informed about their careers. Great timing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's been so much fun. Like I, it, it's one of the best things, best decisions, as scary as it was to start a business. My husband quit his job to come like work with me in the business. It's been fantastic. Well, and people need an outlet right now and writing gets you in that state of flow and it, it opens up a whole new world and a positivity. Absolutely. And you yeah. just, Learning about the business, I think that's something we don't talk enough about. It's always like, oh, I want to see my book on a bookshelf or I want to get a book deal. But I'm in the business of teaching writers about the business and what comes after you sign that book deal and, and how vital that is if you want a career to actually treat it like the business it is. Definitely. Well, congratulations. Thank I really you. enjoyed this. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. And um, this was so fantastic. Good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you.